hold my hand up. I'm like, Dad, it's me. Stay back. Uh, he kind of falters. He doesn't know quite what to do, and he's looking to Dr. Pike for some kind of guidance. Allie, why were you in that car? Uh, uh, Dad. Dad, I'm, tr- I'm trying to save this boy's life. Look, Al- why would you get yourself, Ali? Why are you getting yourself messed up in all of these things? I keep telling why you how you, many times, Dad, because I'm trying to do the right thing. And it kind of hangs in the air for a moment as he is sort of shoved aside as this girl with the black dripping ichor pushes past him, um, and arms out makes as if to try and take Wilbur from Maria. Maria turns the gun on the girl and fires. You can see as the bullet passes through the shoulder that she sort of reels and stumbles and then moves forward again as if nothing happened. And you hear more than you see the thwack as Dr. Pike moves suddenly and Maria falls. Uh, And you can see uh, Dr. Pike is holding some kind of stun baton. And uh, Maria drops... Wilbur falls with her and as you look up you see her standing over you as well and your father moves to block you from her and you hear snatches of the conversation as you see Maria unconscious and Wilbur struggling to free himself from the blanket his eyes still a glazed white and you hear your father say look this is not what I agree to this is so far outside of what I agreed to we said that we were going to find some kind of a cure try try and do something to stop this from happening again and you hear Dr Pike say very calmly this really is the only way and whether you're on board or not really doesn't matter anymore Mallory you've served your purpose and she lunges forward with the stun baton you you can scramble half to your feet half crawling, half standing, shuffling, you are able to move. What do you want to do? Try and push my dad out of the way enough that he's she's not going to hit him. I got a four. She got a ten. Uh, what we'll say is that she, you shove your dad aside as you're trying to kind of get him out of the way and maybe tackle her, um, but she just keeps going straight ahead and hits you with the stun baton instead. As I am trying to move my dad out of the way and as Dr. Pike is coming towards me, because I'm assuming if, like, if she hits me with a stun baton, I'm, I've got so little health that I'll just pass out. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm about to anyway, and if I pass out, my dad's not probably going to be any help. Basically, she's got Wilbur. She might kill me. I don't know. Um, so, I am going to use my... I'm going to use... Premonition. My premonition. Yeah, yeah, right. So, okay. this was about episode, I think, 16... You, I made you roll after you had a dream, and I said that you could substitute that roll, which was, I believe, a, one, a natural one, yep. that you could substitute that for yourself or someone else's role as long as you were in that situation. And it was basically you kind of get a glimpse into the future, and that lets you alter a situation in your favor. Okay, so I'm going to substitute the opposed role. I'm going to substitute Dr. Pike's 10 for the natural one that I got in the dream. Okay. Yep, it becomes a four against a natural one. Yep. So you manage to successfully shove your father out of the way and avoid the stun baton as it flashes over your head as you sort of more fall, pushing your dad out of the way. And does she, with a critical one, 
that's not just a failure, that's a disaster for her. So does that give me an advantage for an attack or something? If oh, she's yeah, I don't... Over or... I will say that you get an advantage on whatever you do because she was not expecting you to move so suddenly. She yep. kind of counted you out. Okay, yeah, so as moving like water, as Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop would say, I shove my dad out of the way, duck to avoid her stun baton, and then as she's falling down, I'm going to bring my left fist up, like, right into her face as she falls down. All and right. do I get advantage with that because she rolled badly? Yes. As you swing out with your left hand, you make uh, your fist connects with the bridge of Dr. Pike's nose. You smash uh, the frames of her glasses. She stumbles back, stumbling, dropping the stun baton and cursing. As you kind of sway back from the punch, you feel your head spinning and this sick feeling in your stomach as you try to uh, reorientate yourself after the crash and the damage that you've taken and your small level of concussness. Okay. And I look over to my dad. Is he on the ground? Yeah, he is on the ground. He is sort of uh, rolling to the side. He's kind of getting himself back onto hands and knees and back onto his feet. I kind of like half kneel down and put a hand on the ground to try and steady myself. Dad! Dad! The... The, the boy over there. Yeah, uh, uh, Ali, I know I know about the boy. Look, uh, yeah. look I, we need to get you to a hospital. No, Dad, it doesn't matter. Please look after the boy. Ali, this is serious. We need yeah, to get Dad, you to a hospital. I know it's serious. Okay? There's no need to shout at me, son. Look, I'm doing my best. To, this is a very stressful Dad, situation. Dad, once in your life, will you listen to me? That's not... Protect you, the boy. You need to respect me as your father. I listen to you At this point, lots. Alistair collapses to his elbow. <laughs> I listen to you lots. <laughs> I hear you. All that time playing whatever music and, and the zhuzh and the douche-douche and the everything else and the things in the fridge. I listen, Ali. Really? <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Always oh, oh, so noisy. Alistair, like, tries and pushes himself up despite the beating in his head and the blood running down the side of his face. Dad, please. All right, as you are struggling to get your feet, your dad is supporting you. He's kind of trying to lift you and take some of your weight. And as you get to the, your feet, uh, he says, Uh, uh, Ali, uh, I think... I think there's something wrong with the boy. What? Uh, as you turn, you see that Wilbur has extricated himself from the blanket and from his mother, and he is uh, standing on the road. His eyes are still glazed white. He still seems to be mumbling under his breath, but you can see his fingers are twitching like small electrical impulses are running through them, and he seems to be incredibly tense, like he's not quite in control of his muscles. Now, the rain begins to come down properly now. What were just little isolated patters now become the regular steady beat of rain. And you know from experience, Ali, that this is just going to get harder and harder. This is one of those summer storms. Dr. Pike is getting herself to her feet, and as she does so, trying to see through cracked glasses, uh, she looks up to see Charlotte standing full in front of her, uh, pistol at the ready. Uh, she is. She's rolled her sleeves. Up. She's wearing like a uh, a suit shirt. Her sleeves rolled up. Shoulder holster on. She is bleeding from the side of her head where she has a large gash um, just above the temple. 
and it's matted into her hair. She looks down at Dr. Pike and says, End of the road, old friend. This is all over now. She turns to see Wilbur, too. She goes, God damn it. Along with the rain and uh, the darkness, mist has begun to roll in. You are in a very lonely country road, mostly dirt track uh, at this point, gravel and dirt. And as the uh, mist begins to roll through the trees, just creeping around corners, you can see shadows in the distance as figures begin to move forward. The, uh, the girl, the lost, who was standing in the road is still there. She has tottered forwards. She's making her way closer and closer to Wilbur. Charlotte kind of grabs her by um, the, the shoulder and shoves her away. This, this person doesn't seem to be uh, violent. It's not quite like the other times that you have encountered the lost. Uh, they're just sort of like a mindless hive. They seem to be trying to get close to Wilbur. Uh, your dad says... Uh, Ali, I think we really need to get out of here, uh, and very, very fast. Yeah, uh, okay. Uh, I'm gonna struggle to my feet and look at my dad. I'm like, Dad, what the hell were you thinking giving her, helping her? What? Uh, Ali, that's... Uh, look, it's a, it's a long story. We were kind of uh, de- desperate. I mean, you can see what is going on here, and we needed some kind of help. Look, it... So why didn't it wasn't... you... Why didn't you come to me? Why didn't you come to the Rangers? Oh, why didn't you come to your your 19-year-old son about an epidemic of strange people and ruining the economy? Yeah, Yeah, that makes so much sense, Ali. Every time I tried to come to you with it, you didn't help, did you? Because you shouldn't be dealing with it. It's dangerous, Well, I am now. Well, then I have failed as a parent, clearly. In more ways than one. Hey, that's... I was saying that for dramatic effect, that's really quite hurtful of you to say, Ali. I don't appreciate that. Look, I think we need to have a long, a long sit down and a talk when we when we get back home. But first, we need to get you to a hospital. That little boy does not look very good, and there are a lot of people coming. And I don't. I think it's time to go. He starts pulling you towards the car. No, Dad, wait, Maria, Maria, check. She's in, unconscious. Get, get in the car, and I will get her. Dad, if if this is the paparazzi turning up, we really do not want to be here. No photos of anything. All right. All right. Uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Miss. Could you let Dr. Pike go? Um, also, uh, is that a registered firearm? <laughs> Charlotte is completely ignoring him. She is very carefully keeping the gun trained on Dr. Pike as she is handcuffing her. Uh, Dr. Pike seems a little bit dazed by the punch. She's obviously not, you know, she is a researcher. This is not her, her cup of tea. Uh, make a perception check for me again. Eight. All right. Uh, you can see actual figures now coming out of the darkness and the mist into uh, the rain and the light of the car headlights. And as you look, Wilbur's head, it's been kind of trained in the middle distance. Uh, his head turns to you, Alistair, and you can see these glazed eyes boring into you. And you feel a sudden pressure in the front of your head. Uh, just above and behind your eyes and it's almost like a pain uh, a little like a frequency has been hit that is sending your brain into kind of a spiral and you begin to feel sick and as you look around your dad is holding his hand to his head and Charlotte is kind of screwing her eyes up trying to concentrate and not let this pain 
uh, effect here. You can see Dr. Pike is, even though she's handcuffed, she's trying to kind of uh, protect herself in some way, shying away from this pressure that seems to be coming out of Wilbur. As you watch this happen, as you feel this happen inside your own head, the circle of lost begin to close in around you and Wilbur begins to walk. He begins to turn from you and begin walking into the darkness and the mist and the rain with this crowd of lost shepherding around him. Uh, the girl who had stood in the middle of the road, she uh, heads around your group uh, to join the others. Okay, uh, I'm going to start moving towards where he is and, and where he and his mother are. Right, as you, you kind of trip along, you're trying to keep your balance, uh, you leave your dad behind. The pain only intensifies the closer you get. They're not moving particularly fast, uh, but they are beginning to leave the road and head into the woods. So as I'm getting closer, I'm kind of collapsing and like holding my hands over my ears because it's like deafening me, I assume, even though it's not a sound. It's, yeah, it's sort of like an internal pressure in your head as you kind of, you, you try to follow them as they leave the road and you kind of slip on the bank on the side of the road and you kind of fall. Mm. And as you do, um, you reach out for anything to stabilize yourself and you grab the shoulder of one of the lost and it turns to look at you with a glazed face. Uh, this is a small one, not but most of them are adults. Some are obviously young, but this one seems to be a child, maybe age eight, maybe age 10. It's hard to tell. Um, but as you look up, you can see the black mucus running out of the eyes and the nose and the mouth. But even so, you know who this is. It takes you a moment, but it begins to sink in. This is the face of a friend lost so many years ago. Your mind reeling from the pressure and the pain and the stress of the last couple of hours begins flashing back between this face disfigured by black ichor and time that's so sallow and blued by cold, it seems. You flash between that face and the face of a young boy standing on the edge of a lake and then his face disappearing into the water and you being unable to save him, unable to reach him in time. Alistair grabs at his clothes and he said, Kai! 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 Wilbur! Wilbur, stop! Kai! Uh, and I'm like desperately trying to cling to the, the lost and like pull him towards me away from the direction that they're all walking. They seem, they are kind of as a herd moving off into the distance, into the dark, into the woods. And this little boy, Kai, is looking down at you with no emotion in his face, no recognition. You're simply something stopping him from moving. Uh, as you continue to kind of clutch at him and try to keep him, he's getting left behind by the rest of the group. Uh, roll for me. A five. All right. Uh, he manages to disentangle himself from you. He is not trying to hurt you, he is simply just removing an obstacle and he tails off and disappears. No, Kai, no, please! I'm sorry, Kai! And come, he is gone. Come back! You're left in the rain and the mud forming on the side of the road. <sighs> and I 
fully collapse onto all fours and like I'm just looking at the ground with my blood from my face like slowly dripping onto the ground as it's being mixed with the water and just motionless, not moving. Mr. Pop. Ernest is tearing up the main drag of town, trying to ignore the smell of blood coming from the back seat of his jeep as he kind of drifts, yeah, again, in his road rage phase into the, the car park of the motel. One part, one cavern is smouldering. Yeah, you can see that the, the fire department uh, has turned up and they are trying to put out the fire. Uh, as you look, you see uh, a line of about eight people from the Children of the Tide sitting cross-legged with their heads down very dejectedly and Randy with his hands clasped behind his back is pacing back and forth in front of them. He's like, all right, number one, assault of a police officer. Number two, murder in the first degree, I think. Uh, number three, destruction of public property. Number four, and this is the most serious, illegal parking. Number five... <laughs> And he's lecturing uh, these these children of the tide on everything that they have done wrong in the past half hour. Yeah, the, <laughs> these half a dozen or so um, captives, <laughs> these prisoners taken in battle, are uh, lined up on uh, sitting on the ground. They're all handcuffed. They're all handcuffed. You can see uh, that Gil is gone. Um, he and several of the others seem to have escaped in the fray and in... The uh, confusion. Two of the cars are still there. Uh, there's a couple oh. unconscious. Uh, Gina has been tending to the wounded ones. Um, Number seven, conspiracy to commit cult stuff. Number eight. Right, you pull up Ernest. Uh, Ernest hops out of the car and waves his hands in the air to get Gina and Randy's attention. Uh, we've uh, we've got to go. We've uh, got business. They kind of like gestures up the road. It's like they've gone on their own. All right, you you kind of you gesture. Gina crosses over to the two of you, and she says, "Look, I appreciate what's going on, uh, and we need to catch up with the rest of them. But someone needs to stay here and deal with this situation." Uh, Randy, <laughs> Randy, I think you should probably go with Ernest, and I will catch up as soon as uh, the rest of the police get here. You got it, and he walks past and like shoves his notebook with a massive list of like felonies onto it, and he's like. Yeah, and then walks <laughs> over to Ernest uh, and smiles at. Him. He's like, "Sorry, what's next?" Ernest's still talking to Gina. It's like other police officers. Well, they're not the only ones. There's at least I don't know. Randy just walks over two and or three others, uncomfortably close to you. Uh, so Bernie is at the hospital. Uh, Nancy wasn't really talking to me. She's there as well. Uh, I, I I don't I don't know what to do. Look, you go, you find Alistair, you find the boy, you get them to Marv's boat. 
uh, and get them out of here. I've got my phone on me. Call me if there's anything. Otherwise, I'm going to the fire department here. They'll help me take these guys into custody, I guess. I'm, I'm considering my... Randy, you've deputized me. That's what's happened now, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, I will check... Deputized by fire, as the case may be. Uh, sure. I will check in on Bernie and Nancy, and I will meet you. Uh, if there is any problem, if you need me, I will come straight there. Just call me. But I think for now, you need to get you and Randy. We want as much backup behind them as possible. Ernest nods and gets into his car and starts it up and reverses back along the road and tears up the road that he presumes Alistair went. And as he's going, he kind of looks at Randy as like, so, um... Uh, do you, uh, is there anything I could use to like defend myself? Um, I wasn't planning on being on in a shootout. Uh, my mum would be very upset if she heard about any of this. Defend yourself. Ah, uh, well, you got your brain. That's always a good one. That's I, I, I do. defensive. Think defensive thoughts. Am I helping? No. Yes. <laughs> he then like looks out the passenger window and just starts watching the trees go by and he's ignoring you. <laughs> he's like a dog that gets tired, gets bored. Ah, traffic. Okay. Uh, Ernest drives along the road and Faster. He's going incredibly fast. Not already. that fast. Slow down. <laughs> he's Sweat <in> weather. <laughs> um and How so dare you break speed limit. Yeah, as you barrel down this road, in the distance you can see uh, headlights of a car and you begin to slow just in case because you're in the middle of the road trying to optimise um, being able to see everything ahead of you in the rain. As you begin to slow, uh, you see the half-rolled car in a ditch not far beyond its light, its uh, tail light still on as you realise there has been a crash and as you come to a stop, you fear the worst as you recognise as being the car that Alistair had requisitioned but your fears are pretty quickly allayed as you can see uh, Mayor Stern helping Alistair up from the side of the road uh, you can see Charlotte uh, is tending to Maria who seems to be unconscious on the ground and you can see that uh, there is a figure inside the car handcuffed to the back seat. Ernest throws open the, the car door and points to the back seat. Randy my kit please Randy grabs your kit, passes it to you, and then runs towards Alistair's car and immediately tries to single-handedly lift it out of the ditch. <laughs> and he's going to keep doing that until you, like, ask him to do something else. Make a strength roll. Oh, he's definitely not going not gonna to succeed. <laughs> yeah, he gets a one. All right, he, he throws his back out. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Randy's going to... Ah! 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 I've thrown a disc... All right. <laughs> Officer down. All right. Officer down. Randy's up again. Ah! He's just kind of, he's just standing there. Like he's not, he's clearly not in that much pain, but he's just, ah, no. And it occurs to you, he is, he is covered in bruises, glass cuts. Uh, he's got a knife wound, but somehow this slight twinge in his back is the one thing that he's focusing on. Ah, the pain. Suffer through, Randy. Suffer through. Starts going to lift it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he, he lifts it a bit. Like, it moves a bit. And he's like, ah, suffer through the pain, Randy. You were built for this. Ernest, uh, I want to say minces, but no, he runs over to the Stearns. As like, 
Alistair? Uh, hello, hello, Mr. Stone. Hello. Hey. Alistair! Ernest. Yes. Hello. What happened? Uh, Bernie, it's, um... He's at the hospital. I don't okay. know any more than that. Uh, Wilbur's gone. He's... He's... He's he, gone? Yes. He, uh... Uh, Dr. Pike rammed us, um, and... Dr. Pike? And Ernst looks back to the car, like... She's in, um... Mm. She's and in she's sitting car. in the back seat with her hands, like, handcuffed to the, um... Ah, the little support bar thing in the ceiling you can hold on to. She sort of, like, waves at you. Just with, like, she rotates her wrist, waving. And just waves back. And, uh, the Lost showed up, and they... But they did, they attacked you? What they what no, they do? No, they didn't. They, they I thought they were going to try and take Wilbur, but he he took them. Like he he walked off uh, that way, and he kind of points to where the lost went. And it was like he was. I tried I tried to stop him. I tried even to stop one of the lost. Um. And they wouldn't. They just they followed him, and he tried. He, like, stopped me from getting to him. Well, when I when I connected with him, and I'm going to be, like, helping him up and, like, dusting him down, looking for any, like, and, like, looking at the side of his head, that type of stuff. It's like, oh, my God. And, like, the massive bruise on his forehead. It was like, ugh. I was like, well, when I connected with him, it was like he was being bombarded with signals from whatever this source is that the lost are connected to so more likely than not they just they didn't need to take him anywhere because he was taken over himself already so maybe uh, it it yeah that would explain why he tried to stop me i suppose he yeah the other thing was in control by that stage so. maybe yeah I, I i couldn't tell you if they were controlling him or if he was controlling them i i don't know but they they went that way okay all right um, well, that screws up plans a bit. He turns to, to Alistair's dad. He's like, can you call your brother and tell him... Uh, it's my Bro- brother. His brother-in-law, um, and you- I do not have his phone number, and he would not pick up if I called him. Work out a way to contact him, please, and tell him to get his boat to the main street, please. Thank you. Boat to the mates, yelling and he, he storms off, yelling at me like that. And boat to the main Dad, street. Dad, you come back here. I'm calling him. Good. Where's your phone? Mine. I don't have his number. That's no, okay. I'll call. I'll. I'll, I'll calls call the Marv. takeaway. Is he calling, or do I have to do that? Yeah, he'll, all right. In the call. background, you hear you're like, "Yeah, come on, pick up. Come on. Yeah. All right." Uh, all right, listen, listen, uh, Marvin, it is me, it is Mallory. No, don't you hang up on me. Don't you dare hang up on... <sighs> Damn it. Yeah. This is going to uh, kind of pat you down and he's going to open up his pack and he's going to pull out some painkillers, give you that, pour out. He's got like a little plastic cup that's like flat and then like, <laughs> cool. like plops out and he's got like a water bottle he's filling it up, hands it to you. He's looking at your head again and like sees a few like a large like a, a deep cut towards the front that was caused by like the impact and it looks at the back of your head that's like bleeding slightly and it's like alright and it's like pulling out uh, disinfectants while he's talking and like rubbing the side of your head with like a disinfectant that's like sizzling as it touches the <laughs> burn. Ah so, Okay, so uh, we've got Randy. Thanks. That's, that's a plus. Uh, he starts back out. I'll look at that in a second. <laughs> oh he'll be fine. Do I get any hit points back for that? Um, or not yet. And it's also basic I... first aid, take a D6 of 
Mm-hmm. D6 plus two. Uh, that's seven. Nice. Where's my pen? Okay, so... Right. I think we should have a chat with Dr. Pike. Yep, we, we can do that. Why is your dad here? He was with her. Well, I suppose we kind of knew that from what uh, McAllister said. Yeah, I, I don't think he quite um, had an idea of what exactly she's planning. Um, but I guess she took him in, I suppose. Right. Yep. Okay. Um, all right. So we'll talk to we'll talk to Pike. We go do that quick. They're heading. He like looks the direction and sees like all the crumpled bushes and that type of stuff from the way they went. So they're okay. heading inland. Heading inland. All right. Uh, and we. We've still got the children of the tide on our backs. Uh, Randy had like arrested five or six or something. I know at the motel, so that's a few of them. What but about Gil? Gil? Do you know what happened? Uh, he's gone. Go on, Gil's gone. Okay. Um, so we will have to deal with him. And where's Nancy? Is she Nancy? Here? She's at the hospital. Okay. Uh, she wasn't talking to me, so <laughs> no. Um, okay. Yep. All right. We we talked to Pike. We talked to Pike. Okay. Uh, he's going to. Walk towards the car. Alistair opens the door. All right. Um, while you were doing this, you can still hear uh, Mayor Stern in the background on the phone. It's like, now you listen to me, Marvin. You listen to me. You're going to take that boat and you're going to get it on the main street because apparently that's what you got to do. <laughs> Alistair giggles to himself, <laughs> looks at Ernest. He's like, nice work. Charlotte is... is uh, propping up Maria's head and he's trying to rouse her um, and you can see that Maria is gradually gaining consciousness. Ernest is going to go over to her and ex- inspect her and see what's try and see what's wrong uh, and is going to leave Dr. Pike to Alistair. Alright. Uh, Dr. Pike is sitting, looking fairly relaxed given the situation, sitting in the back of her car with her hands handcuffed um, to one of the little armrest bits. She is looking at you through cracked glasses. One one side is missing glass altogether. The other side is cracked. Her nose is bleeding. <laughs> Alistair opened the door and just looks at her. He's like, All right, well, um, there's no point in me telling you what I think of you, so what do you want with the boy? Well... There's no point in me telling you what I think of you either. So let's just leave it at that. Alistair just smiles and nods. She, like, turns to look the other way. Well, that's what you meant. Yeah, see, um... I'm kind of, um... Not a fan of, uh... You know... Giving children over to monsters. So... Basically, I'm just here to ascertain if you're going to help us or not. Really? Um, that really all depends on what you can do for me. I see. And if you don't mind, I'd rather talk to someone with a little more authority than you. Oh, I see. That's what it's about. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, all right. I'll tell the others you're no help. Fine. <laughs> and then looks over the, the hood of the car and asks, was like, are you being aggressive again <laughs> and he he like she's he's like no no actually not oh, wow. okay. turns back and he goes well we're gonna all leave in a second so either you talk to me or we're gonna uh, 
Listen. I don't have time to like get someone else to talk to you because for some reason you don't like me because I punched you in the face. You're about to like kill me, right? So what else was I going to do? I have no interest in whatever grudges you are holding, young man. And no, you are not all about to leave. Charlotte is here for a reason. She is here for me. So no matter what, I am going to be going back to the mainland and then eventually back to headquarters for, I presume, court-martial or something of that variety. You are not going to leave me here in the middle of nowhere to be eaten by some kind of woodland creature. I am only going to give you any information if it helps my cause. Now, perhaps if you were to, oh, I don't know, get the key to my shackles, she shakes her handcuffs, maybe then I could give you some information if we were to arrange my exodus from this situation. I see. Is that how it works? I see. Ernest walks over to Alistair and is like, like standing in the doorways up. So, like, uh, what she want? She wants to be set free by the look of it. Um. Ah. Oh, okay. Uh, scratches his head and looks into the car. It's like, I'm sorry. That, that's that's not going to work. Well, then I'm very sorry too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um. So, different plan. You're coming with us, Alistair. Uh. <laughs> for a moment, is like. What? Uh, okay. And uh, then... Ernest puts his hands in the air. It's like, see, it's just, it's just tough. We just don't know what level you're involved in all this. So the easiest way to work this out, we're going to drag you, kicking and screaming, into the belly of the beast with us. And then we can work out how involved in all of this you are. And once we understand that, then we get a bit of a better picture at how all this is working. Ernest kind of holds his hand out. So it kind of covers, because he's only cut like this much shown by the car, kind of holds his hand out to Charlotte, who's still pretty close. To, like, yeah, Charlotte is paying attention. To, to show that, like, to like, you know, hold off for a second. Mm-hmm. It's like, honestly, I don't care if you don't tell us anything, but my friend's right. You're going to come with us until we decide whether we keep you alive or not. And he's going to close the door. Now, uh, Ernest is going to pull Charlotte away from the, the car and going to talk to us like so she's not gonna she's not gonna talk to us and we need that information we, what uh, can we take her along for a while until the pressure builds for her enough that she will give us information what what can we basically do she thinks that you're just gonna take her back and call marshal her yeah and, and she's gonna be safe from all this and the worst when- she's gonna lose is her job basically <laughs> oh no 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 Yes, she is coming with us, but first we need to get Maria to the hospital. She is not in a good way. We do that, we check in on we check in on Bernie and the others, we regroup. Then we need to find McAllister. McAllister was tailing your dad and Dr. Pike. But what if about if he's not here, that means that they found him first. Yeah. Now okay. you guys are going around this kind of the wrong way. Dr. Pike thinks that she has immunity from situations because Effectively, she has a form of diplomatic immunity. It's something that goes with the job that she was in. But she is no longer part of Tyr. She no longer has that protection. Yes, my orders are to bring her back for court-martial, but there's a lot of things that could happen to her in the meantime. I suggest we twist the screws in that direction. You leave that to me. Okay. If we can find McAllister 
and we know at least some of what Dr. Pike's plan was, I think we know where we can find Wilbur. That's like, okay. all right, well, yep. Okay. Are, are you sure we shouldn't just follow after where he went immediately? No, no, Alistair, that's, there's, there's dozens of them. Like if they get mad. No, I know. I, I just, I'm just making sure that we, we're agreed that's not the best plan. No, I think trying to track them, it would be doable, but we need to try and cut them off first. They are traveling on foot. We might have at least a couple of hours, but even if we were to get there, whatever is happening to Wilbur, I don't know that we can do much about it. And trying to physically remove him, my guess is that the whole mob of them will turn violent on us. Well, he didn't seem to be any in any immediate danger, so if you're confident we can find out where he's going, then I'm, I'm fine with that. Pike was here doing research, and if she seemed to think that Wilbur was key to that, I suspect she must know at least something of the origin or the source of this hive mind. So my suggestion is we, we take that route. Smash cut to uh, inside the hospital about 20 minutes later. Uh, you are all getting looked over for various injuries and things. Ernest, you can take a D12 of healing. Alistair, you can take another D6. Ten. I have got more health than I started with. This oh, is you're back amazing. To I've got 25. I started with 23. Oh, there you go. Um, all right, you are feeling considerably better you are in one of the uh, one of the waiting rooms as a nurse is treating you. Randy is getting patched up as well. They have taken uh, Dr. Pike and Charlotte to another room, uh, a doctor's office, uh, where they are having a private discussion. Mestern is kind of hanging around, uh, not really knowing what to do with himself. We cut now to Nancy. Nancy is in one of the bathrooms of the hospital. She's standing over a sink. She's removed her tactical vest. She's been trying to wash the blood out of her shirt. She is looking pale and drawn and stressed. And as she is scrubbing away at her bloodied sleeve, uh, she feels a wave of nausea come over her and she tries hard to fight it but she throws up into the sink and as she watches she can see the black mucus mixed in with everything else she spits and rinses her mouth before going back to her, cleaning her shirt Nancy Nancy what do you do Nancy what do you do ah. alright we return to the waiting room with Ernest and Alistair Ernest uh Yes. Do you want to come and have a chat with my dad? Maybe we can get some information about McAllister or... I mean, if you think I'll be able to actually do anything with that, I mean, he's your dad. I'm random park ranger guy. Yeah, I'd probably rather not talk to him on my own right now. All right. I mean, I can if you don't want to come. No, but... That's all right. Right, you go find your dad. He is at in the hallway with the coffee machine, and he is kind of punching buttons. And he's going, "Did someone? Did someone punch this? What's? Why is this broken? <laughs> I swear." 
I swear, the amount of funding we put into the hospital and they can't have a working coffee machine. Hey, Dad? Yes, Ali. Do you know how this works? It's not working. Can you get one of the... Ner- uh, no, it's been broken for a couple of weeks. I don't know. Ugh. Typical. Public healthcare system, I'm telling you. Hey, listen, um, do you remember the gardener? Um, I remember a Graham Gardner. I think I went to school with him. No, the the guy that I em- employed to do the gardens. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, the sideburn. Munchops, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have Whatever, you yeah. seen him tonight? Um, now that you mention it, oh, I think I saw the his van. Where? When I was leaving the house uh, earlier, was at home. Uh, yeah, but he you? pulled out after me, and then yep. um, I don't know somewhere in town. I think he must have headed off. And you didn't see him after that. Uh, no. Are you sure? What are you worried? He's stolen the silverware, no, Ali. What is, what's the problem here? I thought he did a great job. The topiary was. He's was not a really gardener, not- Dad. He works for Charlotte. He was keeping an eye on you because he knew that you were spending time with Dr. Pike. Wait, were you saying... Oh, her name's Charlotte. Okay, sorry, we were not introduced and I really didn't want to uh, interrupt everything else. Yeah, Yeah, that was... um, Has she got a license for that? We're working for her. Ernest and I work for her. I'm I'm sorry, you're working for her? You work for the city. Ernest (laughs) is like, well, I I work for, for Gina. That's the city too. Gina works for the city. It's the council runs uh, all. Technically, it's the, uh, we don't look, work for the city. Look, we work look, for the reserve. Um, uh, um, Sorry, uh, Ali. Ali, what's his? Uh, what's your friend's name, Ali? Ernest, Dad. Ernest. How many times um, have I told you, you that? No, you work. For, you work for the the council. That's the one that employs the no, park rangers. I work for the reserve. Whatever. He's <laughs> looking. He just. He kind of suddenly looks very dejected. He's looking at the coffee machine. Uh, Dad, I don't. Probably need to tell you exactly how many laws you've broken by helping Dr. Pike. I'm sure that will become obvious to you fairly soon. Uh, but this is a whole lot more important than graffiti and locked gates and bathrooms. And What, are you is... saying you're quitting, Ali? Is that what you're telling me? I think it's a bit... I don't think my... If my job exists by the end of the year, I will be very impressed. Dad. Look, if my job exists by the end of the year, I'll be impressed too. So let's just, uh, we're in the same boat there. Yes, we are. Look, I was trying to do something good. I was actually taking my job very seriously. Dad, for the first time, I don't doubt you. I had the paperwork. She was supposed to be a researcher from like Geneva or somewhere, a specialist in biology and those things. And I was thinking, hey, we've got all of these these species of fish and whatever that are supposed to be unique. Maybe we can actually get some government funding to, to you know, set up reserves. Maybe we could we could do something. And then she's here and she's asking me about, about people going missing. And yes, that happens all the time. And no, that's not weird. It, it spiraled, Ali, it spiraled. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to say no. I'm not good at saying no. I know, Dad. I know, except to me. I know. You're, it's different. Clearly. She fooled more than just you, Dad. It's it's fine, but she was most definitely not on the level. She was doing very bad things and look to be experiments honest experiments and breaking all sorts of laws. And that doesn't matter. The point is, Dad, 
we need to stop her and whatever she was working on and you might be able to help us. Now we're trying to find Mutton Chop's man, okay? Have you seen him since he followed you? No, I haven't seen Mutton Chop's man, but to be honest, regressing a little bit to what we were talking about before, uh, I feel like the the underground, uh, very shady looking workstation probably should have been a, a warning sign earlier than it really was. Where? Pike's, Pike's lab? Pike's... Yeah, yeah. The, Where is she it? Was, was have you been there? Yes. You, you didn't tell... How many times have I asked you about Pike you, and you didn't tell me? You didn't ask. I did ask. No, you asked if we were dating. That's a whole no, different I thing. No, I didn't. I asked yes, if you, you knew her and where she is. Yeah. I called uh, you about it tonight and you brushed me off. This is important stuff, Dad. Well, I didn't know it was important before, Ali. Clearly. It's important now. Where's her lab? <laughs> Ernest is pressing on the coffee machine. <laughs> it works for you. Saying to himself, chai latte, chai latte. <laughs> Roll for me. Three. It, is, it comes out with like um, shots of espresso. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Alistair takes the espresso, the espresso and gives it to his dad. It's like, he's like, oh, um, I didn't want a shot. <sighs> Look, she had some workspace in the old fish processing plant, Gunnison's or whatever it's called, uh, in the basement there. She was doing testing with with um, animal subjects or whatever. Okay. Look, I don't know where your, your mutton chop boy is, but I don't know. He could be there. Okay. I'm sorry. Thanks, Dad. Ellie. I... Look, this town's kind of drowning, if you hadn't noticed. Our economy is pretty much in the toilet. And I'm not going to last another term. I would, even before all this, I wasn't going to last another term. And I wanted to see if we could at least turn it around before I had to call it quits. And I'm not ready for retirement. I don't know what I'm going to do. Go mow people's lawns. I don't know. It's not... <sighs> anyway, if I can do something, just... Tell me, and I'll do what I can. It's okay, Dad. Um, you were trying to do the right thing, and I, I understand. Um, you need to understand that I am my own person, and I am working for these people now. If uh, you... How much you getting paid per hour for that? <laughs> I just, like, <laughs> roll my eyes. If you want to help us... You're more than welcome to. You think they'd pay me? <laughs> I roll my eyes again and look a bit confused. <laughs> look, that doesn't matter. Uh, we uh, look. Uh, my does, point is, matter. Dad, I know you were trying to do the right thing, and that's all I've been trying to do. But I can tell you that these people that I'm working for, they're trying to do the right thing. And Dr. Pike was not. Yeah, that's becoming increasingly clear, Ali. You don't have, um, you don't have to help us, but... Now, Look, no, you, you've... I've been very honest with you. That's not always an easy thing. You know, I, I just need you to be honest with me for a minute. Okay, I will. You remember when you were little um, and you were, you kept asking, can we have a pet? Can we do this? Can we get a dog? And I was saying, no, no, that's... You know, the rule was no pets. Does this have to do anything with... Do you have a cat? Um... I found a cat. Okay. And I gave it yes, to Dr. Pike, and I'm starting to rethink that decision. Damn. It might sound like a small thing, but I'm no longer sure if that was the right you, thing to do. 
Ernest you... wheels around and grabs him by the collar. Oh. Like, what? Dad, you didn't give Pike Nara, did you? Grey cat lives yeah. in my car. I, I tried to hide it from you, but because well, I knew you Well, there wasn't a like grey cat in your car. There was a grey cat in my bedroom. It was asleep on my bed. What was she doing? Beside the point, Dad! I'm sorry. I you... thought it was a stray. I thought it got in She's the door. She's not a stray. It looked like a stray. You had a cat living in your car? Yeah, well, you wouldn't let her live in the house, would you? No! I'm very allergic. Now it's all over my sheets. I'm going to have to get everything dry cleaned. I have to get the floors cleaned, Ali. I'm going to have to get the carpets redone. He was he was so close. He nearly had a nice moment with his son. He was so close. I feel like it's kind of fair, though. Like, if you're madly allergic to not want an animal around. Oh. I had to, look, we'll go get it. It was just in a cage. She hadn't done anything yet. That was tonight. Well... Okay, I, I rolled badly, so I'm going to ignore that. Alistair is fuming, and he, like, grabs his dad's shirt, and he, like, grips it very tightly, and he goes, oh, Look, this is a new shirt, Ali. Okay. 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 You better hope she's still alive. Now, Dad, I'm going with these people. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to save this town. If you want to come with us, sure. But please, if you do anything right, do not try and stop us. And he lets go. Uh, well, I, I think you've made it very clear. Um, I'm not really a frontline kind of guy. Um... Well, look, I, I can write down the address of the of, of uh, Dr. Pike's place for you. Look, um, maybe there's something else I can, can do. Uh, you wanted to get that boy out of here sounded like your plan. Maybe I can, I don't know, I'll, I'll talk to the dock master. I'll see if we can, we can. If you could get a ferry in figure out quicker something. or a boat or something that would. Uh, or, or yeah. Get him to um, Marv's boat, something. Yeah, I think Marv's. Probably, I'll I'll deal with I'll I'll deal with Marv. Okay, Dad. I look directly in his eyes for the first time in this series. <laughs> Thanks. And I turn and walk away, and I was like, "All right, Ernest, we got to go rescue Nara." All right, as you are having this conversation with your dad, Alistair, um, you you kind of focus on the situation. You're vaguely aware of a, of a tall man, uh, quite a tall man. Uh, passes you in the corridor and it's not until you've you finished this conversation and you're heading back to the waiting room that you, you see this uh, very tall man with sort of uh, short cut blonde hair wearing um, uh, a heavy raincoat that's been soaked by the downpour Yeah, stepping into the office that Charlotte was using to talk to Dr. Pike uh, and you hear his voice booming out very loudly Good evening, you two Ah, uh, you would uh, be chief of police, is that right? That's me. Sorry for the delay. Was dealing with some situations. We haven't had that many arrests since the great uh, duck plague, I'd say, of '62. Uh, all right. Uh, you can hear by the tone that Charlotte is a bit nonplussed. Uh, as I said on the phone, this is uh, Doctor Pike. Good evening, Doctor Pike. Now. Dr. Pike is a former member of 
my organization, an organization that has uh, a deal with the United Nations for their work. Uh, they're allowed to come and go with a lot more ease than national yes, borders. Yes, yes, I am aware of your organization. Well, Dr. Pike is under the impression that she will be taken back to my organization for court-martial, essentially. However, she has been officially excommunicated. So that rather leaves her in your jurisdiction. That definitely leaves her in this hot water. He's going to pull up a chair and sit down in front of her. Good afternoon. Uh, no, looks his watch. Good evening again, Dr. Pike. Good evening. Now, Dr. Pike, as I see it, you've been meddling with things you uh, ought not to have been meddling with. Unauthorised experimentation. Human and animal testing. Attempted kidnapping. Deliberate injury of several individuals. And that's just tonight. I hear your former colleagues have their own list of criminal offences too. I'd like to make one thing clear. You're not leaving this island until I have a high security cell prepared for you on the mainland. And that could take weeks. Months, even. I see. Very clever. Keep me in a corner and force my hand. Let me guess, if I give you the information you want, we'll work out some kind of deal. Ah, something like that. Fine. I'm a survivalist by nature. Tell me what you want to know. What's the business with these lost folk? What's wrong with them? An infection of sorts. An aggressive string of bacteria that spreads through the host lives off of it. In time, it overrides the brain and takes control. The host body dies, but then the bacteria continues to use the host. So, uh, are we talking about zombies? Don't be dull. More like an extraordinarily developed form of ophiochloritips, controlled by some form of collective intelligence, a hive mind, basically. Very dull stuff. And, uh, Wilbur, he's one of these, uh, ophiocyclops? No, the boy is not one of them, clearly. The boy is some form of... Mm, transmitter, outputting a signal, calling and directing the infected. But he's not in control, is he? I would say not. Most likely his mind has been overridden by another and they are using the boy as a loudspeaker. This is the way that a hive mind works. It takes signals, communicates. Someone is using the boy to override that system. But who then? This hive mind doesn't need a speaker. It's done just fine on its own so far. Well, no, probably not the hive mind, as you say. That is its own ecosystem. It doesn't need a speaker. More likely, someone or something that wants to control the lost. But really, who can say? So the boy's being used. Hmm. That will never do. Now, uh, I've been informed there are other instances of disappearances. What do you have to do with that? <laughs> other instances of the lost, you mean? Well, considering most of them are within your own island's history, I highly doubt you could blame me for those. But no, if an organism such as this has existed here well, for time out of mind, it's highly likely that other things have stirred it into action in the past. But no, this is something different, as you say with Wilbur. This is something a little more artificial, perhaps. Then what of your old buddy then? McAllister. Where's he? Well, McAllister and I never really got along, and when I found he was, well, snooping where he shouldn't be, 
I uh, gave him something else to do. But we can discuss the terms of his release with the terms of my own release. How does that sound? Well, Mrs. Eisenberg, I'd say doctor, but we both know you no longer have that qualification. I already have people on that case. So, how about let's have a different discussion. Alright, we smash cut to a little later. Uh, the rain is still pounding down on the tin roofs of the port in two separate cars. Ernest, Alistair, Gina and Randy uh, have made their way to the very end of the port to Gunnison's fish processing plant, which has been uh, closed now for some time. You make your way uh from the front with its large roller doors where uh, catches of fish would be brought in from the ships down the side to the workers' entrance. Uh, the door is locked, but Gina uses a crowbar and breaks uh, the door open. You work your way inside. The whole space is derelict and dark. It's been out of commission for close to four or five years now. Following uh, Mayor Stern's instructions, you make your way through to the basement levels. Um, you begin to descend the steps and you can see light is on down here. You are making your way slowly down a set of steel stairs set into the concrete as you head down to the lower levels. What's your marching order? You'd probably go Randy, Gina. Randy, definitely be in front. Yeah, Randy, Gina, uh, Ernest and Alistair. All right, you head deeper down these stairs. You get to the bottom and it heads off to the right. Um, these are fairly cramped, narrow uh, hallways. You turn right, you then turn left, and you are heading now, you can see, towards probably the, uh, the front of the compound. You open out into a larger chamber, and this one you can see is definitely a workstation. This room has grating in the floors used for cleaning equipment uh, and maintaining pieces of machinery. You can see that there's shelving uh, around some of the walls and workbenches around others. And you can see that a lot of this has been repurposed. There is uh, chemicals used in different forms of testing in the shelves. You can see pieces of equipment for uh, running observational tests over time on the benches and you can see cages on the walls. Uh, as you begin to investigate, roll for me. Five. Nine. All right, looking around, um, Alistair, you recognize bits and pieces of this machinery, some of, this, some of these chemicals, you know roughly what they're used for in scientific testing. Um, the cages are a little different. Most of them seem to be empty. Not a lot of them are inhabited. Ernest, as you are looking around, um, you do find one cage which has, cowering in the back of it, a creature that you're fairly certain is the same kind or of a very similar kind to the uh, frog-like aquatic creatures that attacked you in the Blue Gull Wreck. 
Ernest will kneel down near it and kind of put a hand out, like palm out like this, and keeping his mouth kind of quiet, his lips down to not show any teeth. He says, hey there, buddy. He's going to use animal handling to try and calm it. Okay. Advantage. While he's doing that, Alice is going to make a separate check specifically eight. looking for Nara. Mm-hmm. So I got an eight. All right, with uh, an eight, it, it's been making this sort of chattering sound. It quiets this down. It doesn't move close to the bars, but it seems to relax a little, seeing that you are a different person and that you're not making a move to open the cage. Alistair, you are searching with a vengeance. I rolled a 12, so I'm like... Sherlock mode montage. I'm looking at bits of fur. I'm like sniffing the air. For some reason, I'm looking so intently, but only for the cat. I don't even see the fish creature. Like I look directly at the cage. Don't see it. My mind just registers not cat and keeps looking. All right. You work your way through. She's not in this room, but as you check adjoining rooms, there are a few different storage areas down here. Um, You find one that's obviously like a desk, an office area full of files and document stuff that has a bed in there as well. You keep moving because it's not what you're looking for. (laughs) Yep. Um, You find a smaller... that that's there. Yeah. You find a smaller chamber. This one um, seems to be a battery of tests. You can see a bank of different chemicals and wires set up feeding into cases. And in one of these cases, one of about five on a bench... Uh, you find Nara. Uh, she is sedated with uh, several different drips going into her. Okay, I'm going to walk up to her and... Is she breathing? I take it she's still alive. Uh, alive, but unconscious. Yep. I start patting her immediately and I'm going to start looking at everything plugged into her to see if it will be a good thing or a bad thing to pull them out of her. All right. Uh, I rolled a four, so I... Recognize some of them, but I don't want to do anything until I get Ernest. Ernest comes over. <laughs> All right, you roll maybe, for me. Maybe with advantage because it's vet-esque. Ernest, I found Nara. She's in here. There's a 10. All right, with a 10, uh, Ernest, you can tell what is, what is the drip that's keeping her unconscious, and you can tell um, the other things that seem to be, whether they are hormones or... Other chemical compounds, you're really not sure, but you can you know how to safely detach her from all these things. Is she okay? What's are these keeping her alive? What's what's going on? No, she's she's sedated, and then these ones, I'm not so sure about those, but those from what I can read on the labels, those those are more like just seeing how she reacts to them. It's almost like how when you um when a doctor does a a test on you to see what you're allergic to, it's a similar thing oh, like okay. that of seeing how her body will react to them. So roll for me. Just do a, either of you a special investigation roll. Uh, six. Yeah, <laughs> six is better. Alistair is too focused. Ernest, with a mixed result, it's hard to be sure, but you have seen um, a couple of these vials, like these batches of chemicals. Um, they don't look too dissimilar from the dark mucusy substance the lost were exhibiting, and it could be some kind of maybe an artificial version of the same thing, or it could be something else. It seems to have a similar consistency and a similar colour, but you don't think it's exactly the same. Ernest pulls from his jacket pocket another one of the things he clambered into his pockets from in the car, the vial of black stuff that he took in the first episode and kind of holds it next to the bag and kind of moves the bag the same way he's moving the jar to see how it moves. He's like, it looks like it's the same stuff, but... I'm not sure how she'd get her hands on it if 
if it is the same stuff, then she clearly knows way more than she's telling us. Unless, well, I guess she either knows about it or maybe she created it, in which case... Ah, uh, I doubt... It didn't... It looked... That she, wouldn't really work. She might work. just be using it somehow. Well, uh, I know, because from the sound of things, she had her own agenda and then the loss turned up and ruined that plan of hers. So it doesn't really maybe. sound like that's... But she was at least probably studying them. Yeah. All okay, right. well, can I unplug her? Uh, yeah, well, it was better than leaving it in. All right, I take all the plugs out and pick her up. All right. She's still completely Super unconscious. Super cat! Super cat. Super cat. And see through walls. Now, Alice is going to, taking Nara with him, head into the office. As you look around the office, this is a very small, compact place. It's very Spartan. From the little you know of Dr. Pike and from this room, it seems like her work is her life. There is almost nothing else. There are no novels on the bedside table. There's no anything like that. It seems like 24-7 what she does is her work. From her desk, you can see the printouts of a heap of different tests and scans. She seems to be using, uh, I guess, like abbreviated terms for the different chemicals and elements that she's been using. So it's hard to know exactly what she's talking about. A few jump out of you as being fairly obvious ones of like, um, oh, this one's penicillin, this one's whatever else. This one's a stabilizer from the very little you'd know. But as you go through it, you find um, a heavy scientific notebook where she seems to have been taking a lot of notes in shorthand. And as you flick through, you can find uh, printed out photos of several different test subjects. This seems to be the accumulation of her work here on the island. I'm going to pocket all of the photos and I'm going to give some of the reports to Ernest. Be like, can you make anything of this? It seems to be abbreviated. Does it make any sense to you? Roll for me. We'll let the dice decide. Eight. Oh. Right, with an eight, you can see that there's a couple of things that keep coming up consistently. One is BM, uh, and it's hard. You don't know exactly what these things refer to, but BM continues to come up uh, regularly, and there's a few other things that seem to be either blood types or sample types. Mm -hmm. Randy. Randy sprints into the room and then, like, skids to a stop. He's like, yes. Uh, Evidence. Evidence. Randy nods at you. He shoves his hands like into his jacket pockets. You see virtually no movement and he pulls them out and he is now wearing plastic gloves. He then unzips his jacket like halfway down, crosses his arms as though to like grab two cross holstered pistols, pulls them out and they're both small compact DSLR cameras. (laughs) And he starts like dual wielding these cameras photographing every he's moving at lightning but you've never seen randy move this quickly photographing every single thing every document every like he takes seven different angles of nara lying on the bed like he photographs <laughs> everything all right while does you a selfie were, does, yeah <laughs> selfie with a cat uh while you're doing this so you now have dr dr pike's notebook um while you're doing this you ernest you hear gina call out from the other room she says I think we found our man. Ernest makes his way over into the room. Um, as you, Alistair would, would head in yeah, as well. You cross again. You head to the other side of this main chamber uh, and into another section. This room is a little bit bigger. Uh, you can see whatever was stored in here has been entirely cleared out. And in the centre, there is 
almost what looks like an a incubation pod. So it is a large sphere made of uh, hardened plastic. And inside this sphere in a greenish water, you can see a human figure. There are banks of power cables connected to a different test readouts. Um, and you can see that there is definitely a human figure inside this tank. Randy, evidence. Randy, again, slides into the room. For some reason, he's already pocketed the cameras because he does the exact <laughs> same move a second time. And you wonder if he put them in his pockets just so he could pull them out again. And again, photographs all the angles. All right. I'm going to do an investigation roll on it to see that it is indeed <laughs> mutton chops. All right. I will roll an investigation, but more to see if, how the machine works. I got works. a six. I got a five. All right, six. Psh, hard to tell. It could be, but... Gina, come and have a look at this. <laughs> All right. And this is it. God damn it, Gina. <laughs> Gina's like, uh, look, I think we can just, if we just take the top off, let's Randy, see. come and have a look at this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Alice is like, well, does it matter? It doesn't really matter who it is. Randy. I mean, obviously, if it's McAllister, great, but we need to get it out of there, whoever it is, right? Randy. Randy's taking photos. Or is Randy see through his photos? <laughs> all right, mate, oh, uh, Randy doesn't see much at all. God damn it. <laughs> he's too focused on just taking the photos. He doesn't know what he's... All right, while you're doing this, you hear a muffled clang from a small adjoining room. Randy stops photographing. He freezes. Uh, just like something has been kicked or moved around. This is going to make his way over towards it. All right, you investigate the door, you're going through the door. What are you investigating everything? So I go. Five? Uh, the door is locked from this side. Okay, uh, Ernest goes over and puts his kind of weight against the door, being quiet, and puts his hand on the door handle and then hand on the lock mm. and like gestures at the door to, to Randy. Randy holsters his cameras. Pulls out his gun, that's what he does. Pulls out his gun, points at the door, nods at you. Alistair kind of notices what you're doing and gets himself ready as well, behind Randy. Ernest nods at Alistair and, said, and whispers, Count it in. Three, two, one, go. And pushes open the door and like leans back out of like the frame of the door. All right, Randy, uh, square in the doorway, sees McAllister... He's tied to a chair, um, hands behind his back, gagged, and you can see that uh, one eye is closed where um, he's obviously been hit, and you can see he looks disheveled. Is there light in the room? Uh, no, the light is now coming in through the room you're in. Okay, Randy's going to, um, still with his right hand with the gun trained on the door, pull out his torch from his pocket, his left hand, and hold that up with the gun as well. And he's going to move inside and... He gets a three on his investigation, so he's probably just focused on McAllister in the chair. Yeah, Ernest from the side of the door looking in is going to also just investigate with what you can see. Two. All right, Alistair. <laughs> yes. Four, nothing. <laughs> no, you can't find very much. This Two, is three, like four. A, this is like a storage closet that he's been oh, okay. shoved into. <laughs> we didn't into. even need to roll. Um, you untie him, he is dishevelled and panting, 
and very briefly in gruff words he relays how he was um, tailing Mayor Stern to here and then was um, captured and he thinks was he captured by the lost? no no by by Dr. Pike by Dr. Pike Um, and he relates in very gruff words what happened as he's like rubbing his wrists and getting the feeling back and standing he says but I did find something that I think you'll find very interesting Uh, he walks to the tank and taps it I overheard the good doctor saying this is one of them lost oh she's figured out how to kill him oh now I bet she didn't tell you that and if you're here I suspect you have her right we We do. do and she didn't say anything she hasn't told us anything, but we have a notes, we have a notebooks, all that type of stuff. Let me see. Uh, Alistair opens his jacket and, like, passes all of this stuff to McAllister so he can see it. We couldn't really work out, like, her writing method. We don't know what the the symbols or whatever mean. Well, he got an 11, so he's... <laughs> yeah! He's going, a hit shorthand. <laughs> Bloody nonsense. It starts flicking through, as, and under he finds a heading, and under one of the photos you can see is actually of this sort of tank that you had seen and hadn't known what to make of it. Well, we'd seen the drawing um, before we'd even seen the tank, so... Yeah, and he, he begins examining the tank, looking through the notes and following them back to the different chemicals that she has hooked up to this tank. And he says, Now, nah, I can't understand everything in her notes, but I'd say these are all antibacterial things. My guess, from what I've seen, and from her notes, it seems like whatever is um, uh, overtaking these people is some kind of bacteria, which, if I remember correctly, was one of our ideas. <laughs> just leans in close to Alistair and whispers, Rabies. <laughs> Mushrooms. Rabies. Mole. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> they both shudder. You follow, uh, you follow McAllister as he starts going through the readouts on the, the screen connected to this tank. He says, See, she's been measuring vital signs. She's been subjecting it to a battery of different tests. My bet is what she's finally figured out is that you can kill these things with antibacterial. Now, I don't know if she's pumping this thing with antibiotics or something similar. My bet is we can use the same thing. It might not kill them, but it'll slow them down. It'll definitely hurt more than bullets or anything else we've tried. We uh, we also found there was a cat here that was connected up to a similar black liquid, and he shows him the, the vial he has. Uh, similar to the actual stuff. It's not completely the same. I'm not sure if it's slightly different or if she manufactured it or anything like that, but she was pumping it into a cat. I think she's probably trying to find out Whatever the cause of this thing is, whatever bacteria it is, she's trying to see how it reacts with different life forms. Okay, I see. Now, if I was the good doctor, I would be assuming I want my own protection from these things. Some way to ward them off, some way to keep them out of my hair. That's true. Now, when we were attacked by her a couple of hours ago she had one with her and it clearly was either under her control or something now we assume that maybe that was because she had created them but what you're saying would mean that that's not correct but maybe is she using antibiotics to control them somehow hmm do you think I 
hard to say. I can't read all of her notes, but I would say she was trying to find a way to repurpose whatever the bacteria is. Okay. Weaponize it, sell it, I don't know, but if this bacteria has a link to the hive mind, or if the hive mind itself is not a mind at all, but a bacterial chain, that could be a different matter entirely. You could build yourself an army using that. Right. And that would be quite helpful if you were someone like Dr. Pike. Did you find out anything about if there is a centralized location for this hive mind, or is it just a decentralized? Maybe, maybe she didn't mention it. I don't know, but... No, she didn't mention much. I wasn't conscious for a whole lot of it. I only overheard bits and pieces. I think we need to have another talk to Dr. Pike. Yeah, well, it sounded like the chief, the head chief of police was kind of taking her apart when we were leaving. She also, I think, tried to use your safety as a bluff card, so maybe <laughs> if we bring you back, that might kind of shock her a bit. That might help. No, I wouldn't worry about that. Charlotte wouldn't have let her use it. She knows I'd rather die than let it happen. Well, Master nods. It's good to be committed to your work. We're glad you didn't, though. We are. It's yes. nice that you're alive. That's, really a, that's a positive thing on this day so far. So, a lot of people have died. I have to say, though, I think I'm getting a taste for topiary. What's topiary? Is that a drug? No, that's when you... Caring for bushes, you know, like... Uh, oh, um, right, gardening. Sculpture. Yes, yes. Well, his dad did say he did a very good job. Thank you. I, when I retire, I think maybe... He was a bit disappointed when he found out you weren't actually a gardener, so you never know. Ah, well. I'm not disappointed, I can tell you that. So, McAllister, the figure in the tank is one of the lost. So this is, it's not a person we that need to That is what she said. Because you're, um... Yeah, she was, she was checking the vital signs. She talks to herself a fair bit. That's handy. Um, okay. I think she might be a little bit lonely. I think she might be a little bit insane. Um, well, that too. But every doctor is... Oh, I don't like doctors. Um, especially Ruby. Was it Ruby? What was that it scary was, lady? I think it was Ruby. Ruby. Yeah. Was she a doctor or a nurse? She was the head nurse. She was a nurse. Yeah. Scary lady. Anyway, we should get you back. Uh, make sure, let everyone know that you're okay. And I guess this um, thing's safer in the tank than not. Probably. Now, here's what I would like to suggest. How about the four of you, you give me a hand... We grab some of these chemicals that she's been working with, specifically the ones she has pumping into this tank right now, and I think we can uh, we can cook up something a little special. Meanwhile, high in the mountains, amidst a dense stand of trees, there is a ranger's watchtower, long abandoned. A man is standing in the shelter of the roof, keeping out of the rain. He is watching as in ones and twos, the lost continue up the mountain. He knows by now they should have the boy. He knows by now his sister, Gina, will be on the trail. But he knows as well that it's gonna be too late. Sherman Grimshaw knows what's coming. He knows what his father never dreamed was about to come true.